know, Singaporeans are very fast to to take advantage of new uh, investment trends. For example, uh, new exciting companies coming up, and I think the the entire trading community here has that spirit, which is you know what is the best thing uh, that I can invest in that's good for my portfolio, right? So happily. Interactive Focus covers 150 markets across 33 countries, uh, and I think 27 different currencies that we accept. So we bring the world to Singapore, just like Singapore has brought Asia to the world. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome to this week's IBKR podcast from me, your host, Andrew Wilkinson. In this episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Guillaume Rouchabert, over in Interactive Brokers Singapore office. A huge welcome, Guillaume. How are you? Yeah, very good, Andrew. Thank you very much. And I'm also joined by Eugen Lin, who is the CEO of uh, Interactive Brokers Singapore. Welcome, Eugen. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm very good. I'm very glad to be here. Okay, we're going to start with you. Uh, this is your first time on the uh, inter- as, as an Interactive Brokers podcast guest, Eugen. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in Singapore and the investing landscape there, because the reason we're having this podcast is because there's been a big shakeup in the investment landscape there, uh, courtesy of one of Interactive Brokers' big competitors there. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. At Interactive Brokers, we really like to get straight to the point. And the point here is that, uh, so I think uh, about a week, more than a week ago, uh, TD Ameritrade announced that they would uh, get, they, they were getting out of the retail business in Singapore, right? So I think this announcement caught everybody by surprise, including ourselves. Uh, so we we don't really want to uh, speculate as to why they did it, but I think the topmost question in most people's minds would be that you know uh, all these brokers, especially the ones with a foreign brand or international brand, are they really here to stay? Would they have to go through you know multiple changes of uh, multiples of this uh, scenario where they have to keep changing brokers? And I think what we want to say tonight is really that uh, absolutely interactive brokers is here to stay. And I think, you know, throughout the course of this podcast, uh, we will be peeling peeling back uh, the onion on the reasons why. Okay. And Yuchen, you're uh, a native of Singapore, of the island. How long has interactive brokers been present in Singapore? Okay. So I think we've been, firstly, we've been in Asia for many, many years, right? Decades, almost as long as the company has been here. And uh, for the longest time, so not many people know this, right? For the longest time, uh, Singaporeans could actually go to Hong Kong and open an interactive brokers account, right, offshore. And the interesting thing I found out when I joined is that at some point, uh, this completely unsolicited business grew to a critical mass in which we started thinking that we should do the right thing, come to Singapore, get a license, so that investors feel like they're protected. So they were always protected. Right, don't get me wrong. It's just that you know people always trust a, a local company, a company with a local presence more. And we said in 2019, we're gonna come here, we're gonna set up, we're gonna do this properly, and we did. Right. Um, another interesting uh, tidbit that came out is that on the I think the same shortly after we got our license here in 2019, uh, another quite large American broker pulled out. Okay, so I won't mention the name here, but you, you know people probably know who who it was, uh, and that worried us because we were like, okay, what is it that this 
you know, this guy knows that, that, that we don't. So what followed was actually very interesting. It was a little bit of right place, right time. Uh, as you know, COVID hit the world shortly after. Everybody went online and our business essentially just exploded. Right, we went from like a, a two-man office, uh, Guillaume uh, was employee number two, uh, to now I think we've clo- we are closing in on 50 people here. And I don't see that uh, growth slowing anytime, both in terms of business and number of headcount uh, that we're investing in Singapore. Very good. So I'm going to turn to Guillaume now. And Guillaume, maybe for people like myself who have never been to the region, my understanding is that Singapore is a big deal. Tell us about its significance from an investing perspective, please. Absolutely. I mean, Singapore is really a critical hub for Asia in general. It's a wealth management center uh, for most of the region, right? So it, it acts a bit like uh, Switzerland in uh, in Europe, for instance. So what we see indeed is uh, among the, the diversity of the population in Singapore, a very stable environment that uh, manages uh, to attract a lot of wealth from the region. And so um, we see, as, as Eugene mentioned, like a, a tremendous potential. And it's been confirmed by the numbers, actually, when uh, we see the number of family offices relocating to Singapore, we see the number of uh, millionaires also in, in Singapore uh, with regards to the percentage of the population. It's a quite impressive uh, nation and uh, uh, has a full respect in the region when it comes to financial strength. Uh, throughout the ecosystem, be it on the banking side, be it on the prime brokerage side or uh, any other service provider in the region. And and Eugene, can you perhaps define the type of investor that is there? Is it retail, institutional or asset manager or a mix of all of those? Uh, So as I would say, it's it's a pretty good mix, right? I don't think there are, you know, final numbers on, on, on these things because it's basically estimates. But you will find that the ecosystem here is rich uh, and very balanced. And the reason why I know this is because, so, you know, again, you said I'm a local boy. I am born and bred in Singapore, studied here, uh, been here essentially all my life, except for, you know, some work stints overseas. For the first 15 years of my career, uh, I was with the Singapore Exchange. At the exchange, you really see the entire cross-section of investors in your capital markets. And we've always found that consistently over the years, it's a very good plan of retail institutions and all of the, uh, I would say, service providers. Right, that serve this segment, all the financial firms, the banks, the brokers, uh, and now increasingly the family offices. So if I could perhaps take a step back and since, you know, to, to address this, what you said about Singapore, you know, being widely known as a very important financial hub. I think when we look at the geographical position of Singapore, this is a, a common story. Right? We say this all the time, you know, it was started as a trade hub, lots of goods flowing in and out. Then it became an FX hub, then it became an overall banking and finance hub for Asia. I think all this kind of leads me to my point, which is, you know, the, the Chinese, uh, since, you know, the Asians are seem to be the, the flavor of the month in Hollywood right now, right? Chinese and Kung Fu. <laughs> so uh, the Chinese have a philosophical belief that flowing water is life, right? Stagnant water is bad, flowing water is really important. So you see this in Feng Shui, you know, people putting fountains at the doors, you know, smaller fountains, big fountains, whatever, the water must be moving. And I think Singapore definitely embodies that, right? Because we see an outsized amount of flows for the size of our country and the size of our population. Uh, and that is how we punch about, uh, above our weight, right? That's first point. The second point about how, you know, the way I see Singapore in this region is really because uh, we have a secret sauce. And our secret sauce is that we are really small uh, geographically and population-wise. So we need to constantly strive for relevance. Right? The moment we stop trying, we will be overrun by everybody else. 
but we will be forgotten a footnote in, his, in history. And so this drives us actually to, to grow, but very sustainably because you cannot, I guess, you know, we don't want any reputational damage, right? Uh, we get it right most of the time. And so in this, you know, constant striving for growth and also uh, safety and relevance, right? And I think that's what allowed us to kind of stay ahead uh, all this time, even as the rest of Asia continues. So let me, let me turn to Guillaume again. It, you, you, you see what customers, clients are doing all the time. For, for the traditional retail investor over in Singapore, is there a specific target market location that they're investing in? So from what I see with the with the clients here, and again, there is a high diversity of uh, of uh, of customers in Singapore, as Eugene mentioned. I mean, it's it's a 5.5 million inhabitant nation. Uh, 3.5 are Singaporean, 1.5 are qualifies non-resident and half a million are permanent resident like I am, right? So the, the requirements and the need can be a little bit different with uh, probably like for Singaporean, uh, a little bit more exposure to the local market, uh, whereas like for the uh, permanent resident and the, the expat, maybe uh, a stronger exposure to their uh, original uh, market or original countries. So what I see in terms of flow is like, of course, US stock equities has a strong interest within uh, the Singaporean and the good thing is that uh, we are extremely competitive on these uh, markets and uh, our technology is well designed indeed for the US, the European markets. But also uh, I see uh, uh, like a strong interest in other products such as like uh, US corporate bonds, uh, futures uh, and options. Maybe we can also uh, talk a little bit more about derivative letters uh, later. But um, so the thing also is that like within this population here, so 29% of the population are categorized as, as non-resident, like that's one third of the population. And um, all, all people like there is a, a strong uh, implication with the financial industry or in the high tech companies, right? So it's interesting to note that interactive because Singapore consider all tax residents in Singapore. And for instance, U.S. passport holders can open accounts and if they are tax resident in Singapore with Interactive Broker Singapore. This is quite unique and very, um, uh, very little uh, financial institutions can offer that type of service, right? So this includes also all the tax forms, uh, related matters and market access to global exchanges on the platform. Back in the 90s, I was trading interest rate contracts uh, through the London International Financial Futures Exchange, LIFE. And I remember the Singapore exchange was extremely important uh, and there was an explosion of growth in the derivatives market. How, how, and, and you work for the Singapore exchange. How important is derivatives to Singapore these days? You know, if you look at the revenue contribution of Singapore exchange, I was, I was there for this, right? You will see that the mix of revenue uh, has shifted over the years. So it started because basically the, the stock market uh, is generally very profitable because you know you are the incumbent, you bear the Singapore name, uh, and nobody has really challenged that status, right? So the stock market made a lot of money uh, for the Singapore exchange back in the year 2000 when it first merged with the derivatives exchange. But over time, the derivatives business grew more and more. And I think today, if you look at it, uh, I haven't seen the latest annual report, but you know it was getting there anyway. More than half of the, the the business on Singapore Exchange comes from derivatives now, right? And I think this is very much uh, reflective of the Singapore story, which I mentioned earlier, which is you know we're always a hub, uh, if not an international hub for uh, flights, like you know because we have SIA, we have a really awesome airport. Uh, we might be a regional uh, hub for, for for stuff, you know, goods coming in through China, going to India, and I think the Singapore Exchange kind of 
and, and the Singapore government, to be uh, very frank, kind of hit upon that, that, that sweet spot of uh, creating regional and international products and have them trade locally. Uh, many people don't know this, but actually Singapore Exchange was, uh, the, the derivatives portion at least, was started in collaboration with the CME uh, in the US, right? Back then when people were still trading face-to-face uh, on the trading floor and you can't really stay away for more than 12 hours without falling over, uh, there was this thing called the mutual offset system. So you could trade the Nikkei futures, for example, on the CME and have that move to Singapore in the morning and continue trading throughout, or you know, have it, have it net off your position here. But you can do the, the same the other way. Right, so that was the world's first 24-hour futures market. It was created by the CME, uh, you know, a lot of credit goes to them. And, you know, just happened to be this small little uh, thinking exchange in, in Southeast Asia called, called Singapore Exchange, or Simex at the time, right? Yeah, so it's, it's been a rich part of our history, uh, and, and it really fits the Singapore story well. It is exactly what it is. And if I may add, actually, uh, to, to, to that, like, my love story with Singapore goes back to 2003, uh, when I participated to the revolution in electronic trading with, uh, for instance, the migration from the pit area to a fully electronic direct market access. Uh, that was the close of the MSCI Taiwan pit. I will always remember that uh, part of my life, of course, in Singapore. And I think it resonates uh, today with uh, the strong mega trend of digitalization of uh, the intermediation for like uh, retail customers, but also for institutional customers. Now, Guillaume, shoulder to the wheel here. You've been inundated with inquiries about interactive broker services. What, what, what are you telling people about opening or transferring accounts? How do you respond to that? How do people bring in positions from other brokers to interactive brokers. Yes, absolutely. So uh, indeed, we have been uh, we have been asked uh, by literally thousands of uh, retail clients how to open an account with uh, interactive brokers Singapore. Nothing more simple. We have make it like very smooth and very uh, seamless uh, for Singaporean to open an account. So we have interface with SingPass, which is our local identifier with the government database. So any uh, person in Singapore who has a SingPass can just uh, log into our website, ibkr.com, create an account, uh, set up a user and the password. Remember the username and the password, of course, and then select Singapore. And then after you have the choice to select SingPass, and then the system will automatically like put out all the relevant information for us to open the account. And uh, what we notice is like the account are open uh, within 24 hours. Once the account is open, what happened is like the second step is like to arrange indeed the transfer. And again, uh, we have made it very simple. So inside the client portal, the clients just need to go to the pay and transfer menu and select ACAT, which is one of the, what we call the automated customer account transfer service. And this process allow for the electronic transfer of securities and cash. So both through the depository with completion of the process taking something like uh, uh, three to four business days, right? So those are the two steps that are important. First, to create the account. And once the account is created, to arrange the transfer with these ACADs, right? To select the U.S. as a region. And Guillaume, this is a load. This is a loaded question. Since since I'm in charge of education here, what what do you do? What do you do when when somebody joins Interactive Brokers but they're not familiar with the platform? 
Yes, we do have like a, a lot of educators that are currently helping to set up some sessions, make sure that people, they get familiar. So what we recommend, of course, is like to go to our excellent IBKR campus where you have tutorials about our client portal, about our mobile application and about our latest applications such as uh, Global Trader and uh, Handy Trader. Uh, those are like uh, uh, well-informed online. And so those tutorials are really highly recommended. Another tip that I give is actually there is also possibility to have a paper account once once you create your account. So uh, there is no rush. You can always like select instead of the live account to select the paper account. And the beauty of this paper account is that it reflects exactly what the configuration are on your production account. And we give you $1 million paper money to play around and to get familiar with all the functionalities. I'd like to mention also there are a lot of uh, users that have created uh, happy communities about the Singapore applications with interactive uh, brokers. And I invite our audience to check on the Telegram groups. Um, there is one official non-affiliated, but it's named like Interactive Broker Singapore that has about 2000 members and uh, can give a, a good unbiased and unaffiliated uh, uh, point of view for for from a user point of view. So Eugene, let me ask you, if I'm a US passport holder or an, an, an expat in general, but I'm a tax resident in Singapore, what should the approach be for moving over to Interactive Brokers Singapore? For some of the technical stuff, I'll let Guillaume answer. I would say that overall, uh, the good thing about Interactive Brokers Singapore is that we are a full featured uh, instance of the global platform, right? And we accept essentially all nationalities, you know, subject to sanction. Right, of course, just to be realistic. Uh, so expats are welcome and locals are more than welcome. Uh, there's a reason why we are in Singapore. The bulk of our customer base is Singaporean. We don't just serve the expat community. And we like to think that we are democratizing finance a little bit, right? We make it really cheap, really accessible, really easy to use. You can find all the, all the information online. There are basically zero barriers to entry to setting up an account and then getting started uh, investing in the world. One thing I will add also as, as a local boy is that uh, in the past four years of my life, so I'm basically as old as uh, interactive brokers, right? So really feeling my age here. I've noticed that Singaporeans are very pragmatic people and the trading interests of, of Singaporeans and actually everybody who comes here that's in a way slightly infected by that uh, pragmatism, that energy, right? Which is to say that, you know, we know we are small, we need to address the world. So we are very worldly, we trade uh, all, the overseas, all the overseas markets uh, wherever it's liquid and exciting and, 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 and um, you know, high quality. Uh, it kind of reflects the, you know, Singaporeans are very fast to, to take advantage of new uh, investment trends, for example, uh, new exciting companies coming up. And I think the, the entire trading community here has that spirit, which is, you know, what is the best thing uh, that I can invest in that's good for my portfolio, right? So, Happily, Interactive Brokers covers 150 markets across 33 countries, uh, and I think 27 different currencies that we accept. So we bring the world to Singapore, just like Singapore has brought Asia to the world. You have walk-in services. How do you deal with, with, with that audience? Thanks for asking this question. Indeed, we don't have any walk-in service, so there is no need for you to to uh, come to the office. So we put everything conveniently online uh, where you can have like information with a chat uh, or with our hotline in Singapore from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can call our general hotline, which is the 6923 
5600. 6923-5600. Of course, we'll put that in the text of the podcast uh, for further information. Guillaume Rouchabert, Head of Institutional Services over in Singapore. Thank you very much indeed for joining me today. And Yujun Lin, CEO at Interactive Brokers Singapore. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. You can listen to more episodes at ibkrpodcast.com. And don't forget, please leave us a review wherever you download your podcasts from. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice.